Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of Inside Texas and On 3. And guys, we've a couple days moved on now from the OU loss. Sark had a press conference yesterday. Injuries seem to kind of be mounting up a little bit. What were y'all's takeaways from that yesterday? Well, really, a couple of takeaways for me. One were the injuries. Uh, Texas clearly... Uh, right now, suffering from a bunch of nicked-up injuries, primarily. Right. Uh, they're not devastating. They're not season-ending. Uh, but there are certainly some that are starting to just mount up. When you have a tight end out, a, a cornerback out, your center's out uh, with all hobbled. Kelvin Banks is even uh, hobbled with an ankle injury. Cedric Baxter, another ankle injury. Um, all of those things, uh, Cole Hudson's still coming back right now. All of those added up uh, start to start to take a toll on the offense and on the defense as a whole. Uh, but largely, Texas has stayed away from those season ending injuries. Yes. Um, and so I think it's actually um, par for the course, maybe for most football seasons. Uh, but in that regard, I do believe that the uh, that the bye week came at a very, very good time for the Longhorns from a health perspective. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, it. it uh um, the, the thing that I, that I took from the game Saturday being there was Texas is, you know, I, I said this, uh, Kelvin Banks, definitely not a hundred percent. Um, Quinn was even limping around. He took some shots in that game, right? He's fine. Um, that's just shots throughout a game. Um, JT Sanders obviously needs some time. I, I think, I actually think other than having to sit and, and think about a loss for extra time, I think this is a great week for an off week, but I'll say this. Oklahoma had a worse injury day than Texas did Saturday. Andrell Anthony's out for the year. McCade Matower is probably out for the year. I mean, they lost two starters for the for the season Saturday in the second half of that game. So to your point, Bobby, the season-ending injuries, Texas has avoided. Um, Oklahoma wasn't as lucky, and we're just halfway through the season. So uh, it's going to be – that's why health to me is so critical at the end of a season uh, because everybody's beat up right now. I mean, especially when you consider Texas has played Alabama, Kansas, and Oklahoma. They've played three ranked opponents this season in six games. And Wyoming was a physical team, right? Uh, and, and, and would test you physically. So, <laughs> um, but yeah. that, man. so all in all, Texas is in a pretty good spot because the only guy we don't really have a clear picture on is Chris Ross. We I know Jalen Catalan. Jalen Catalan, too. Well, sorry. Well, so he's day to day yesterday. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, but I'm saying when when Ross will come back. That, yes. We don't have a clear picture on if that's going to be week eight, if that's going to be week ten, week twelve. We know Cole Hudson, decent shot. He's back for U of H right now. So I, I think we have a pretty good feel for where Texas is at as far as the when these guys can get healthy. And this week's off week's coming at a great time. Hey Jerry, let's talk a little bit more about what he said in his press conference overall, yeah. not just the injuries. Uh, he, he recounted, Sark recounted how he may have recalled um, the four-down uh, stop uh, by the Sooners. Uh, he said that the third play was probably the play that he would take back. Uh, felt like he should have run the, the smoke screen at that point yeah. as opposed to running the same play he ran on first down. Uh, took took a, I, I felt like Sark did a good job yesterday of doing what he always does, Jerry, and that's for taking the impetus – or the uh, the onus for his team's uh, performance overall. He said, yes, we did this. And yes, we had issues, but ultimately comes back on the coaches, you know, 
And I think that that's, that's what a, a head coach needs to say. Uh, one thing I will uh, add to that is he had a lot of extra comments about this game that he hasn't normally really went on and on about. Yeah, you could tell this loss was was eating at him a little bit. Yeah, it, you can tell it took its toll on him, right? I mean, and and I, Rod and I talked about that yesterday. As hard as the uh, 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 the fans take a loss, the coaching staff takes it worse, especially if they get on a bus and say it's not a game we should have lost. That's hard in the coaching world on these guys, extremely hard because they're gonna as detail oriented as they are they are going to be extremely hard on themselves. And you can tell Sark was. I mean, he, you know, he said, I was even probably hard-headed on that second down play call. Yep. I, I mean, that was uh, that was an interesting thing for a coach, the head coach, to say. Um, and then, you know, talking about defense, you know, and, and uh, giving up 34 points in the red zone, 6-6 six of six for Oklahoma. Yeah, that red is- zone was definitely a piece. Not just defense, but offense in the red zone. I- Uh, He said that if you want to get down to it outside of turnovers, he thought uh, red zone uh, situation was a bigger deal uh, than anything else for the Longhorns on Saturday. And I, and I, that's what we talked about. And what we mentioned at the very start, Jerry, is that the red zone has, Texas has to get better there. They're now ranked, I think 120th or 118th. I can't remember which stat of teams scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, William Neese saying, the red zone D is unacceptable. But the red zone O is more unacceptable than the red zone D, to be honest with you. Right now, the red zone O is one that rates really, really low. Red zone D, until uh, Dylan Gabriel came along, had actually been performing quite well. Uh, so I, I feel like, if anything, Texas needs to cash in on touchdowns moving forward. Uh, maybe this is a time for Steve Sarkeesian and his group to really uh, focus on that this off week. Uh, of course, they're also going to be going on recruiting uh, trips this week. The coaches get out Thursday and Friday as well as uh, Saturday of this weekend. Uh, Jerry, uh, before we get into some recruiting stuff, because there's some news there that you want to get to, I know you need to say thank you to one of our key sponsors on Coffee and Football. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, thank you to uh, Manscaped uh, for uh, uh, being brought to you today by Manscaped. Uh, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code ONTEXAS for 20% off free shipping again i uh, one of the things for me uh, and i have the uh the the new uh uh handyman right here for wet and dry use feel free feel free to bring this anywhere and everywhere the compact design and airplane friendliness make this the perfect travel tool tool for on the go as much as i travel i am so excited about this product guys and being able to shave up the three days growth Without the mess of a wet shave is priceless. Absolutely the case for me. Again, get 20% off of free shipping with the code ONTEXAS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code ONTEXAS. Uh, handyman, great product. Manscaped makes great products. I use them. My son uses them. 
my father is even about to start using (laughs) (laughs) this hand. Hey, this handyman shaver. Now this is a pretty popular thing I've, I've showed people. So, uh, Great work there by Manscaped. All right, guys. Yeah, thank you to Manscaped. And, Jerry, I know you got some recruiting news that you want to share with everybody. And uh, let's start off with probably the one that everyone's going to ask about, Kobe Black. Yeah, you know, uh, Kobe Black, uh, no show today and m ended up at the Cotton Bowl Saturday um, for Texas OU. And, obviously, I think that uh, uh, puts a nail in the A&M recruitment of that one. Um, and I, I look, I, uh, I said on Inside Texas yesterday, I, I stand as tall as Big Tex with my on three RPM projection projection for Texas with uh, Kobe Black. And I, uh, I think it's just a matter of time. I think Texas is in a really good spot and continues to be. Um, like Bobby said, the uh, Texas staff will, will be on the road Thursday. Um, we know some of the stops they're going to make. Obviously, um, uh, we hear that uh, Terry Joseph will be at Wardell Max game Friday. Uh, we had that on Inside Texas uh, Monday morning. Uh, we hear that uh, Texas, probably Kyle Flood, uh, will be at um, uh, the modern-day St. John Bosco. Massive game Friday night in, in, in Southern California. Obviously, Brandon Baker's committed to Texas, but Texas is still very much in the picture for DeAndre Carter. I think in the next week, 10 days, Texas will know which direction this is headed in. Can Texas flip Auburn's only high school offensive line commit in the class? It's a lot of pressure on Auburn. A lot of pressure on Auburn right there. Uh, Texas is uh, in a pretty decent spot there, but we'll see how Auburn responds. And then obviously there's the 2025s at Modern Day as well. A.J. Milwee scheduled to be at Saraland for K.J. Lacey's game uh, Friday. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see where Sark is at Friday. Will he be at Saraland with A.J. Milwee? Will he be at Modern Day? Um, I think that'll be interesting because modern day St. John Bosco, that might be a good game for Sark to be at if he's going to be at a game on Friday because you have the two 24s, Brandon Baker, DeAndre Carter, but in 25, you have Jordan Davis and you have uh, Nasir Wyatt, the linebacker. You have Marcus Harris, the wide out, 2026 linebacker, Sean Scott. All guys, Texas is really going after hard. St. John Bosco obviously has some guys as well. It'll be interesting to see where Sark is at. Um, I think, uh, You'll see uh, Kyle Flood in the Houston area and the da- uh, and the Dallas area before going out to California. Tashard Choice will go check on his running back commitments. Uh, probably will be seen at Harlem Berry School in New Orleans late this week as well. Uh, so the Texas staff has a big week on the road in recruiting. Um, obviously, Harlem Berry was at Texas OU game. Uh, I think LSU uh, should be considered the favorite until they're not over Texas and Florida. Uh, I think we should mention Florida there, too. I, we expect Blake Gideon to be by McKinney. They just offer Xavier Philsame, the five-star safety from McKinney High, committed to Florida. I think what's interesting here with the Texas-Florida battles, and we'll, we'll have Keith – we'll probably have Keith Niebuhr on for, uh, again, for the from Gators uh, online uh, later in this recruiting cycle. But uh, if Florida struggles late in the season, guys, they're going to be up against it in recruiting a little bit, keeping all their guys. And especially that could become the case with uh, Phil Same and Wardell Mack. With Phil Same, George is making a run at him too. So it's more than Texas who offered him Saturday. Uh, George is making a run, Wardell Mack there. You see LSU, Florida State, Texas, all going to make it tough on Florida. Um, And I, I can tell you that Texas had some really positive conversations with Mack and his family in the last week. Uh, Jerry, you and uh, 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 Justin Wells going to, uh, have a recruiting breakdown 
Uh, if you guys are really interested in recruiting, make sure uh, you check out the recruiting breakdown later today. Uh, Jerry, you guys are going to go over it. I, I was just looking at that, Jerry, uh, and some of the commitments in the recruiting rankings right now. Um, Colin Simmons currently ranked number five overall in the on three industry. Yeah. Uh, 100. Number 23 is Brandon Baker, uh, another Texas commitment. So Texas currently has two five-star commitments in Baker and uh, uh, Colin Simmons. They're also in on number 24 and number 25 on that list right yeah. now. Ryan Wingo, the wide receiver out of St. Louis, Missouri, and Kobe Black, the cornerback uh, out of Waco. Uh, Colin, that those two, those four players, all possibilities. And then Xavier feels to me, which people didn't know much about uh, because he'd committed so early to Florida, is actually the 27th ranked player in the country yeah. uh, overall as a safety. Uh, Texas, he was at the Texas OU game this weekend, as Jerry mentioned. Other guys that were at the game, uh, Christian Clark uh, and Jarek Gibson, both in uh, Dallas last weekend uh, for the game. Uh, Clark having a good season uh, down in Phoenix area. Gibson uh, traveling the country with IMG uh, yeah. on their national schedule of sorts. Um, I, I feel like uh, recruiting is getting ready to take center stage right now, Jerry, a little bit. And what I mean by that is coaches go out this week. We saw an, a late offer already go out, just like yeah. we did last year with Warren Roberson, the Phil Smith guy. I bet we see one or two more. And then I'm ready now more than ever what what role the portal is going to play oh, yeah. because that is coming strong there's no doubt in my mind that texas is going to lose some guys to the portal this year that it's just going to be natural okay it's going to be more natural attrition texas is going to have to replace a lot of guys in the portal with the experience they may be losing those are the things that are getting ready to happen that we need to wait and see uh and and figure out how that's going to work uh, right now. But uh, uh, I think that we're getting ready to enter into a stage where the portal and recruiting are going to combine and we're going to see the next two to three months of flurry of activity. Uh, the, the portal doesn't officially open, I think, until the week of the uh, uh, championship games. But from there until January, it's going to be crazy, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, another uh, just adding on to the December timeframe of regular recruiting. Absolutely. Um, and I want to follow up with a question, Danny, at 825, a late offer for a five-star in Texas isn't quite the same as lower rank Roberson. Roberson was a top 200 kid in the country, by the way. But yeah, here's the thing with Phil Same to know. He's from Orlando. He moved here in sixth grade. His dad lives in McKinney. His mom still lives in Orlando and works. Early on in, in this recruitment, everybody just thought, okay, he's just headed to Florida. He's going to go back home, be close to his mom. We'll see what happens. I mean, he visited Georgia, he visited Florida, but early on in that recruitment that everybody just figures he was going to end up at, in the state of Florida because his mom's there. We'll see what happens. His dad lives in McKinney. His mom lives in Florida. Things, you know, things can change. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, somebody's saying the portal's more recruiting high school recruit uh, than portal's more important than high school recruiting. I mean, for instant impact. Yeah. I mean, it, look, it, look it, at Oklahoma. Yeah. Look at Florida State. I mean, uh, David Williams had a question, you know, how did Auburn play Georgia so close? Well, here, here's the thing I want to say about that. Um, Auburn has as good a home field advantage as anybody in the SEC. And people, if people don't believe that, y'all haven't been to a game there. They, I mean, it's it's up there. 
I mean, and look, Georgia's won 23 games in a row now. They can't be up and motivated for every single game. I mean, it's just impossible. Um, to me, they're always going to be tested. Teams are always going to be tested. Georgia won 26-22 at Missouri last year. They're better than they're more than four points better than Missouri and last year. They're probably 30 points better than Missouri. But then Georgia comes back uh, at home, and Kentucky is lucky to get off the bus and then get 150 yards. That's how bad they got physically beat down. So these guys aren't going to. These guys aren't going to be up for every game, but Auburn's a tough place to play. That is a real home field advantage. I'm sure Bobby's been to a game there. Yeah, I, I feel like people don't realize that a lot of places are tough. South Carolina can be a tough place. Oh, to yeah. Play. When Spurrier was there, it's a tough place. It, to play. It's bizarre. I mean, so I feel like that's one of the things that we'll see uh, going into the SEC next year. You'll see more teams uh, that have distinct home field advantages. And I'm not talking about the old misses of the world. I'm talking about guys that have 70, 80, 90, 100,000 seat stadiums, whether yeah. that's Tennessee, South Carolina, teams that you may not think of initially, right, um, that, that have these large stadiums. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. I think the, the interesting part about that, Jerry, and, and we talk about this, is Florida, and, and you mentioned it, and how much they've got going on right now. Yeah. Like what, what are they, three and three or four and two? Um, and they've got a half dozen uh, tough games ahead of them. Uh, yeah. That it program could be headed, literally could be headed, headed for a five and seven season this year. I mean, their, their key game, their key game is this weekend. They're at South Carolina. If they, if they lose that game, they're staring at five and seven or six and six. And that, that's going to open up Phil Simi, yeah. Wardell Mack, most likely because they're going to see a situation where, I don't know if our coach is going to be there. Yeah. And it, he's already in his second year. This isn't his first year like uh, Steve Scarkeesian in his first year. The, the other piece of it uh, that's important, LSU right now and A&M are not playing well. A&M just lost to Alabama convincingly, in my opinion. Uh, they go to Tennessee this weekend. Yeah. You know, they if they start four and three, they're staring eight and four in the face unquestionably, right? If not seven and five. LSU right now uh, does not uh, and is not uh, getting a, a any kind of defense. I mean, they 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 in Missouri went wall to wall with no defense to see right. who could play the least amount of it. So uh, my point on that is that we've got to worry and, and we've got to look at this recruiting and portal situation on the whole. I will say this: I expect the portal this year, Jerry and Blake, to be more competitive than it's ever been. 100%. More teams, including the Georgias and the LSU. I mean, I think everybody's going to be going to the portal this year. Before it's been, oh, uh, maybe a couple of people will go after guys. Now, I think it's the way of the college football, and I, I think Georgia will jump in there as well as everybody else. And it's it's going to be a tough, tough road to find the guys you want in the portal because there will be more participants. Hey, and by the way, I talk more about Texas win over Alabama is more impactful in 25-26, but there's a big game in recruiting this weekend because we just talked about Florida, A&M at Tennessee. If A&M loses at Tennessee now, the people are uh, – uh, uh, the natives are going to get restless in College Station. And when that happens, that's when your current recruiting class gets vulnerable. 
that that's when things can happen to Bobby's point about Florida. Uh A&M's got a big game in Knoxville this week. If they lose that, it, it gets interesting. Somebody asked about Solomon Williams. Um, uh, update. I don't have anything new on Solomon Williams. All I'll tell you guys is this. He's been A&M twice in the last three weekends and Texas once. If he if he picks Texas, I'd be surprised at this point. But we'll see what happens. Um, somebody also asked about a five-star linebacker committed to Georgia. Well, um, they're talking about Justin Williams and then Joseph Jonah Jaunier. Look, Texas remains in contact with those guys. Uh, Joseph Jonah Jaunier, I actually talked to him last week, and he turned down Texas. Oh, they tried to get him on campus. He did, he had, he said no to this point. So. Um, you know, Georgia's, Georgia's a tough one. We'll see what happens in the NIL world. But that's a very, Texas is up against it almost. All right. Well, plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so right here on Coffee and Football. And before we get to questions, y'all, I need to tell everybody about Caldera Lab. And uh, season's greetings, more like season's compliments, because compliments are guaranteed after making the leap to skincare with Caldera Lab. And I'm talking about how you look today and 20 years from now. The results are incredible in little time. Men's skincare and Caldera Lab are the perfect pair for you to look and feel your best. It's super easy to add to your morning and nightly routine. Clear skin, less wrinkles, and less signs of aging? Enough said. Caldera Lab Skincare joined the 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best first impression this fall. They've created high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup. It's a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. For me personally, I'm always out in the sun, which means taking care of it is a top priority. Uh, with Caldera Labs products, that's no longer an issue for me. It's quick. It's easy. I use the regimen and have seen results in just a couple of weeks. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive deal. You're not beating this offer. If you go to calderalab.com, use promo code ONTEXAS, you'll get 20% off right now. That's promo code ONTEXAS at calderalab.com for 20% off and making an unforgettable first impression with the best gift this holiday season. Hey, Blake, hey, Blake you mentioned being out in the sun uh, with, with, with your son in particular for baseball. <laughs> yeah. uh, one thing we didn't bring up uh, is Texas got some baseball commits over the weekend. Yep. Uh, didn't they? Tell us a little bit about those guys before we get to questions. Yeah, uh, both of, I believe both of them from out west and uh, not – not heavily known in the sense of like you're not going to go over to perfect game and and you know get get their perfect game score five total whoever it may be but texas really likes both of them uh one of them is a pitcher and the other one is a utility player and so i bet the staff is happy with both of those guys starting to see the recruitments take off and uh texas wrapped them up early for those of you that, that don't know that for those of you who don't know blake's son is a ninth grader blake is that correct it's and is already starting to get recruited in baseball. He plays uh, select baseball for the Dallas Mustangs, I believe. Uh, oh, we, we recently switched. Wow factor. Uh, 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 what, what happened? <laughs> what did you do? Where did you switch? So we went over to wow factor. Um, his coaches left the Mustangs program. He loves them. Uh, one of them is actually a former Baylor pitcher, Big 12 player of the year uh, recently and all that. And he, he's just, he loves the guy. So he went to wow factor. Colt followed him. And the rest is history. So we've uh, we played in a couple tournaments now with that team, and he's loving it. His name is Colt, by the way. I wonder where he got that name. Yeah, <laughs> and middle name Austin. So there you go. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we yeah, have some go ahead, 
Oh, go ahead. All right, we have some questions here, and I want to read this one, and I had it start up if I can find it. Uh, and this is actually more of a comment from Rob Enfield. He says, on Texas football, needs to stop tiptoeing around, cow-towing to the coaching staff. Sark did a terrible job on Saturday. Please say so. Bobby, I'm going to let you take this one. I, I don't think he did a terrible job, guys. I mean, that, that I'm not tiptoeing here. I mean – they had a blocked punt for a touchdown. They clearly saw that and figured that out. They had a fourth down uh, fake punt that worked. I don't know that Sark and those guys did a terrible job. I think that they got outcoached at points, but it wasn't strictly one-sided. I mean, Texas had 500 yards of uh, plus yards of total offense. Um, so to sit here and say that it was a one-sided coaching match, I, I just disagree. Texas turned the ball over three times, okay? Two of which were clearly, uh, one of which was clearly on Quinn Ewers. The second was a bang-bang play, and the third one was a good tackle by OU. Um, and Texas had the ball with a chance to go down and win it. I Look, uh, the, the, if I had to pick a, a coaching moment where I felt like Sark was out coach, it was on the goal line. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and say, Rob, I, I know you personally. I, I don't think that Sark and them got beat badly or, you know, fundamentally on the headsets. I really don't. Um, I do believe that they could have done more uh, in the fourth quarter to stop or in the final drive. But OU, I would have done something different. But you know what? I mean, hindsight is 2020. I, I don't feel like Texas has poor coaches or something. I just don't agree with that. Uh, are they perfect? Absolutely not. But to, to sit here and try to blame the coaches and not give credit to OU, not give some credit to Texas coaches for having them ready as well. I mean, I just mentioned two plays in particular that uh, nobody was really thinking about prior to the game. Nobody was thinking about a fourth down punt fake to Jordan Whittaker as an up back. At least I wasn't. I mean, everybody had their, their point in that game. Uh, OU won, and I think OU came out and executed better in the red zone. And ultimately, you can say that's on the coaches, but I think that keeping people out of the end zone, I don't think Texas co coaches coach David Bend to get lost in coverage. I don't think Texas coaches, uh, you know, if, if there's one thing, maybe the quarterback draw, but, you know, I, I'm i not kowtowing. I, I, I call it the way I see it, and I, and I always have. Yeah, I, and I'm the same. I want to comment on this. Um, look, I – in a game like that, look, oh, you got out coached on a couple of things as well, right? It, you know, here's the crazy thing. They go for it on a fourth and two and don't make it. If Texas ends up winning that game, Britt Vittables is getting roasted. Yep. I mean, so that's where these games are, right? Uh, I think Sark is a little predictable in his first three uh, plays of the game. He's 14 passes, three runs. I've said that. Uh, he gets a little predictable for a team that runs the ball really well. Uh, but he's come out and said, we're going to pass the set up to run. So he's told everybody what he's going to do. It's not like he's he's hiding from it. He's told everybody what he's going to do. Hey, sometimes you got to give them credit. They were, like Rod said, that Gentry Williams was sitting on that route like he was sitting on a toilet. Um, uh, so they uh, Oklahoma was well prepared. Uh, the, the, the red zone has to improve. Red zone defense has to improve, honestly. I mean, but here's the thing I'll say. Uh, for anybody saying, you know, this is not a good coaching staff or whatnot now after one game. You know, Texas is 2-0 and against Nick Saban and Lance Leipold this year. 
Yeah, they they're not. Are they really going to say that? You know, I mean, they. I will say this: they clearly outcoached Alabama. Yeah. I mean, so that that's. I mean, think that, about that now. Here's here's Offense the one thing, and defense clearly outcoached Alabama in my opinion. Here here's the one thing that uh, Sark said yesterday. I agree with him on is we had he said what 527 yards of offense. Um, and you know, punted once, right? Had three turnovers, roughed the punter, had a running into the punter, dropped an interception in the end zone. If that's our worst, we're gonna be all right. And I do agree with him there. If that's the worst Texas plays this year, they're gonna be all right. But they look, they gotta go get it done the next six games. They're gonna be heavy favorites in those six games, probably more so now than they were before. They gotta go handle business. All right, y'all. This next question here uh, is from Richard Bostick, and Jerry, it's to you. He says, being the son of a coach, even though OU had no timeouts left, wouldn't you much rather call a timeout to get your defense in order? OU's regular offense is two minutes. Chaos or coaching is better. Yeah, I would have called timeout. I, I'll, I'll say this, and I and I I disagree, and I'll tell you why. What happens if they sack Dylan Gabriel on that play? Yeah. Does that does OU get back to the line of scrimmage in 15 seconds? Probably so. Uh, but then they're immediately thinking field goal. As and they they're they're out of time. They don't have three shots to the if you call a timeout with 30 seconds left, you're giving them at least three shots at the end zone. Whereas after that point, you're lit you're maybe limiting them to just two and or one and or a hurried field goal attempt. Yeah, it, of, it, and then and then if there's a legal procedure in the last ten seconds, the clock runs off. One thing, one thing I was I, I was thinking during that drive, I, I was thinking that uh, if I was going to call a timeout, even after the Stoops catch, because that was a disjointed bad look. Yeah, I would have said, hold on, and he and he went out of bounds, right? I think no, but they, he, the clock stopped. You know, the clock stopped. So I get why you don't call timeout. But if I was going to call a timeout. That's what I'd have done it because I'd have been like, whoa, none of this looks good the whole way down the field. We got to get our together here, else we're going to lose. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's the one I, I at the end, probably not, but th that's the one I might would have said, hold on now, guys. This is not good now. This is too easy. We have guys that don't know what they're doing. We need to we need to talk about this. All right, the next question is from Jake Faust, and he says, Good morning from Hobby Airport. Jerry, I was going to ask, did you rewatch and look at Alfred Collins Saturday? You might need to get the glasses out again. How do you get pushed around as a fourth-year guy? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would need to watch exactly what you're talking about there. But well, he had one, he had one uh, batted pass. Um, but, Jerry, the, the reality of it is it, it wasn't Tavondre Sweat that was giving up the lanes in the middle for – for people to get uh, moved, it was Alfred Collins and Byron Murphy. Yeah, Murphy was too aggressive. Murphy was too aggressive in his pass rush lanes. And 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 while Sark didn't call anybody in particular out about this yesterday in his press conference, he did say we were vacating the A and B gap on our pass rush too easily. And those were two people: Alfred Collins, in my opinion, and Byron Murphy. Yeah. Murphy was trying to get too far upfield too quick to affect the pack passing game with his quickness. Uh, Collins was getting pushed around a little bit. Um, and so I, I know exactly what he means. Um, somebody's asking, you know, why did Texas lose this game? 
red zone, turnovers. Those are the two reasons why Texas lost this game. Anybody think it's anything different? You know, red zone comes down to execution, by the way. So those are the two things, Rob, uh, you're asking. I I guess I would add the third is they didn't handle tempo. Yeah, that's good. It's hard to – it's hard to simulate tempo, but I actually think they they handled tempo really well in the third, basically this third and most of the fourth quarter. Yeah. All right. We have a super chat that just came in from Sean Rabe, and he says, why would the coaches go to the same defense on that last OU drive when they saw Oklahoma go right down the field before half and scored on the same defense? Uh, you know, I, I think, it, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh I, I really felt like they should have tried to light up Dylan Gabriel, but by doing that, you invite deep passes by Dylan Gabriel. Um, and, uh, you know, that's one of the things he is good at. Uh, you also invite one-on-one coverage on the outside, and Texas had not necessarily tackled well to that point of the game, if you remember correctly, on the outside. So one one guy misses, and all of a sudden the guy's taking it to the house on the outside. I think you look at all of those things combined is probably why. But again, hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't think they would make the same call today that they did then. Uh, and in particular, the reason I think that is because this was D- Dylan Gabriel's 44th start. He's seen off coverage. You have to make him react more than just sit back and pat the ball. That's my opinion. Yeah. Okay, let's see. This next question here is from Captain Americano, and he says, Gabriel's legs hurt us more than his arm. I don't think we saw that coming. What can we do to stop that from happening again? Do you deploy a spy, punish him when he runs? We can't allow that to happen. I think that was probably the thing, guys, that surprised both staffs the most Saturday. There's no, I said this before, there's no way – when Brent Venables and Levy were sitting there game planning, saying, oh, yeah, he's going to rush 14 times for 113 yards. They just say, okay, we're going to run this. We're going to we're gonna run enough quarterback draw here to keep them honest. They didn't think the guy was going to rush for 113 on 14 attempts. And Texas sure as heck didn't. <laughs> That's the one thing in that game that both coaching staffs probably said, ah, this isn't going to happen. But it happened. But I, I, I did. I think that his arm actually hurt Texas too, um, and not so much his arm as much as his composure. Um, and and I'll a couple things that, for example, he found the receiver open despite the pocket kind of closing in on him at the end of the game. He found that guy. Um, the other one, the snap that went over his head, instead of falling on it and it being fourth and forever, it's only you know it's fourth and three instead, and they get the ball back on a roughing. Uh, he, he had some good, I thought overall, he made some bad throws on fourth down and third down in particular, but overall, I felt like he, he was composed and that may have been as big a difference in the game as any. Okay. Well, this next question is from Aaron and he says, how would you guys rate Sark's game managing abilities? Um, I think that I look at it and I, I see a guy that's pretty good game manager. Uh, not, I don't necessarily think he's Bill Belichick. I mean, who is? Uh, Nick Saban is not Bill Belichick for that that matter. I, I got to be honest. Um, uh, 
I think that he the, the the issue that I would that I would pick out here is the the final drive and how much time they left on the clock. Uh, but I also understand he was asked if he would do anything different yesterday, and he said no because he felt like they their offense was in a rhythm, and it was more important to get points on the board than worry about the clock because at that point in time, if they didn't get if they didn't get first downs, they were going to be not having the lead at all in his opinion, and punting back to, to OU and giving them still have time left on the, on the clock. I get it. Um, there, I don't know that he's the greatest in game management. Uh, I do think he's, he's well above average and, and frankly, well above what Texas has had with its last two coaches, for sure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, at least he's not Mario. Hey, too broke, too broke to pay attention. Has a I want? Yeah, yeah, he says I may have missed it, but Jerry talked me off the ledge about recruiting and losing the Red River rivalry. It genuinely seemed most recruits were sympathetic or empathetic about the loss, but I could be wrong. No, look here. Here's the thing I'll say about that is uh, we said it after the Alabama game. Uh, one, the Alabama game was bigger for recruiting than anything that could happen outside of Texas making a college football playoff this year. Um, but look if Texas goes on and handles their business, if they go out, if they go do what they should do and what they should do is go 11 and one, unless they have a lot of injuries, this, this not that you can't, aren't going to get pushed. Not that you can't get beat. It's college football. We just talked about how Georgia almost got lost to Missouri two years ago, almost lost to Auburn last week. And it happens on the road. It's college football, right? At TCU at Iowa state. I mean, it, it is what it is, but if Texas goes out and handles their business guys, Recruiting is very positive for Texas. I, I'm just I'm just here to tell you. I mean, I, look, they beat Alabama. If, if they go on and do what they're supposed to do here, they're going to be ranked in the top ten all season. And and the one thing that I looked at was I talked to Riley Pettijon, and I think this is kind of uh, the junior linebacker at McKinney, and I think this kind of speaks for so many of those kids. It, it fans take losses a lot different and harder than recruits do. Recruits see a program that's headed in the right direction. That's why I say the rest of the season is so important. If Texas drops a couple of these last six games against teams they shouldn't, they end up nine and three. Kids are going to look at it a little differently. If Texas goes on, they are. I mean, that's just a reality. But and, and if AM goes seven and five or eight and four, yeah. and if LSU keeps losing uh, because their defense yeah. can't stop anybody, yeah. So. I mean, but Texas. All those factors together. They, they add it all in together. Um, 
And I think that some of that stuff could impact 24s and for the kids committed for those schools. And the older kids or the younger kids, they just they want to see a program. Uh, look, Texas OU was an unbelievable atmosphere. Anybody you talk to will tell you that. Um, the Texas basketball uh, coaching staff took the whole team there. There were kids saying that have been in a lot of environments saying they've never seen anything like it. <laughs> I mean, like it, it, from a basketball. So recruits are recruits, right? Players are players. Um, so that was a positive recruiting experience for kids because kids now know in, in, that, wow, this is an unbelievable game to play in, right? Texas has to go handle their business the rest of the way, right? I mean, we all predicted 10-2 and two before the season, and I said, you know what, that, that keeps your program going in the right direction. After you beat Alabama, obviously your goals change. Um, if Texas runs off 11-1 and one regular season, the recruiting, nobody should be worried about recruiting. Now, NIL, that's a different game uh, in recruiting nowadays, so it's a little bit unpredictable on some things, but uh, recruiting in general, no, nah, I think Texas is fine. Then Texas is in a great spot for Kobe Black. They're going to sign a third straight top 10 class. They're in a good spot for Ryan Wingo. Um, I, I think recruiting's going well. Okay, guys. Well, plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so. We would definitely appreciate it. Don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe. And, Bobby, before we move on, I'm going to let you tell everybody about game time. Yeah, I know it's an off week for the Longhorns, but I want to introduce you guys to game time, the app. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country and for good reason. You can get images of your seat before you actually buy the ticket. So you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And it's absolutely perfect for last minute decisions. I had somebody text me and said they used it uh, for the uh, OU game and they knew exactly the yard line and, and the view that they would get. Uh, game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy and theater events near you. I've personally used game time for sporting events and concerts myself uh, for both me and my family. So if you need last minute tickets, there's really no better place. Tickets are sent directly to your phone. So you never have to dig through your email. You download the game time app, create an account and you use code on Texas for your for $20 off your first purchases. Only your first purchase terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code on Texas for $20 off. Download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, thanks to our folks for game at game time uh, for sponsoring on Texas football. Hey, Blake, I want to answer one question. You don't have to yeah. bring it up. Ryan Nelson asked, where, where is the Texas basketball scrimmage this year? Um, that is um, next weekend, not this weekend. The following weekend is at Colorado. Good team. It's going to be good. Uh, good team. I actually have a bat hoops practice report up on Inside Texas right now for those that want to go read it. It's 29 days away, regular season. Um, somebody said, Jose Rodriguez, who made the who do we make the biggest? I, you know, I don't know on that. I, I think the um, I, I think Texas made a favorable impression on kids, period. I think both teams did in that environment. Uh, there does, you know, the loser of a game like that that's an unbelievable game and an unbelievable atmosphere, it's not always negative with kids. I mean that's just the thing to remember. I think Texas is uh, uh is in a good is in a good spot with with kids. I think they that was a great impression game for both teams in recruiting. All right, guys, here's a loaded question for you. Todd Lacey asks, which Texas player takes his game to another level the second half of this season? Hopefully, Quinn Ewers. 
And I think he's got what what Saturday. And I talked to Jerry about this this morning. On I go for a walk around six o'clock every morning. And Jerry and I talk. Uh, just that's a little inside scoop. Um, hopefully Quinn Ewers, because what we saw out of Quinn Ewers from the second quarter on, guys, is a potential first round quarterback. It's what we had all hoped to see 14 games ago. What many people thought we might see 14 games ago, right? Um, he was near perfect, near perfect um, for three quarters. Uh, if he takes it and continues that, you're going to see Texas win games by 21 points, 30 points. I mean, Texas has that kind of skill around him. If he takes and continues his game and takes it and continues this this kind of performance, that's that's – if he takes his game to another level on offense, I mean, that's the man for me. Because that he is the straw that stirs the drink for, for Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, that quarterback position is so meaningful. That's him. That's that's mine. Jerry, do you have one? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, I, I, tough, tough call for me. I think uh, – I think I'm I'm looking defensively. I think Quinn's going to play really well. Um, I'm I'm looking defensively. I'm almost going to go with Anthony Hill or Derek Williams. I, I mean, I I think they just need that. Um, I, I think they need that freshman on defense to really become a playmaker consistently. Derek Williams at safety would be big because I do think there's liabilities there. Um, look, I, I I'm just I. I agree with you on Quinn, but offensively, I, I, Rod and I were talking about this, 661 yards against Kansas, 527 yards against Brent Venables on a neutral field. I mean, Texas is averaging, I mean, what is that, 570 yards per game in Big 12 play against maybe the best two defenses they're going to play. I mean, so that is a huge number uh, on offense. I, I'm looking at Anthony Hill. I'm looking at Derek Williams. I think Texas needs that that one more playmaker on defense. I they really need juice. They, they need, need juice. juice. Yeah, I agree with you. Completely agree. Didn't feel like they had enough juice on Saturday. All right, guys. Before we move on, uh, Sean posted the super chat, but it didn't have a question to it. Sean, if you'll put it in the chat regular, I'll get you taken care of. Uh, we've had a couple of questions on BJ Allen, so I'm going to roll them all up into one. Drew M says, what happened to BJ Allen? He's gone missing in action since having a good spring and fall. And then we'll make this a two-parter. Emmanuel Villafranco says, does he start next year to uh, with Derek Williams? If he's still around. Um, Keaton Crawford uh, and Michael Taff are clearly ahead of BJ Allen at safety right now. And uh, Derek Williams has jumped him. Uh, then you add in Jalen Catalan in the offseason. He wasn't there during the spring. Uh, I think it's a numbers game right now. Uh, do I think B.J. Allen uh, could could see some time instead of uh, Taff or Crawford? Maybe. Uh, let's see how he practices the next two weeks. Uh, because, frankly, I think Texas has an issue at one of the safety spots. And I don't think it's the combo of Catalan and Williams at their safety spot. I think it's the other way around. It's Thompson, uh, Taff, and Crawford that have the issues right now that I'm seeing. More so Taff and, and Crawford. All right. We got a super chat here from Brandon Huey. And Brandon says Jordan Whitt Jordan Whittington is a draft pick after this or this past game. Do y'all agree? 
Uh, I, I, that's a tough one because you got to see who all comes out in the draft. Then it's going to get down to how he tests. Um, I think he'll impress teams when he talks to them, when he meets with them. I think that helps you late in the draft. Um, I, I think it's in question. You just got to see who, uh, how many underclassmen come out and what what positions those guys are at wide receiver. One big thing hurts Jordan Whittington more than anything else, and that's catch radius. Yeah. Um, he got thrown a ball deep over the middle that deflected off his hands barely. He, he could have caught that ball with a better time jump. He just doesn't have the catch radius that a lot of people like to see in their receivers. Um, and so I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't necessarily think he's a, he's a draft pick after that game. He may be a draft pick, period, uh, but – I think it'd be a late sixth, seventh rounder at best at this point. I think he just, he just hasn't shown the catch radius and the quickness, the true quickness to get open in, in short yeah. spaces. And the other thing that works against him and guys like Catalan is their injury history. Yes, absolutely. When you're investing in guys. Yep. Okay, guys. Helio Castillo says, on Quinn's first interception, do you think that Adonai Mitchell should have fought harder inside or try to bat the ball down in that sequence? Yes. Um, he, that, you know, he should have squared off his route is what he should have done so he could beat the guy to the spot. But that Quinn should have never thrown the ball. That was a mistake by Quinn. Quinn, it's almost like you could see it in his head. Say, yeah. I didn't throw this, but I'm going to throw it anyways. Um, I think that that was just young in the game, starting, not realizing that people were sitting on that route. Uh, and I, I think we'll see from there what happens. Uh, but, uh, I, I tell you what, uh, that, that I don't I don't put that on the receiver. I mean, he can't, he can't. There, be there were three guys converging on that. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting through that would have been, you know, a mess. Um, I, I'm glad they got him on the ground. Uh, because otherwise it would have been pick six. Okay, we got a super chat here from Doug Dodson. Thank you, Doug. He says, I just need to say this. Xavier Worthy is a warrior. He fought as hard as anyone. He also went helmet to helmet with Peyton Bowman and knocked him silly and put him out of the game. No, uh, Fresno kids are tough. Bobby and I have talked about this for a long time. Fresno kids are tough, man. Uh, we've been doing this a long time, and and people say, well, California's soft. Not all areas. Those Fresno kids have been tough traditionally. Yeah, absolutely. Fresno Edison has always had a tough football program. I, I feel like uh, it's Stockton area. Jerry is another area, California, that's not in the, you know, L.A., San Francisco, Bay Area type area, but kind of in between. Um, I, I feel like Xavier Worthy has kind of been knocked as a prima donna. Un, but if you hear the coaches talk about the way he practices, you would get a sense of they don't think he's a prima donna at all. They think he's really good, uh, but he practices as hard as anybody out there, in their opinion. And as he gives practice everything he has. Uh, and I'm happy for him and the receiver group as a whole right now because they're not dropping passes. Yeah. And, and that tells me that they're lit, they're focused, they're getting things done. Uh, and uh, Xavier Worthy, he's definitely, I mean, people are saying, oh, well, he couldn't catch the ball last year. He had a broken hand is, is what's come out to be found out. And we talked about that. And, oh, well, no, he still dropped ball. He's dropped, what, one or two passes all year this year? 
one he would really like to have back, the Alabama, yeah. the first yeah. one. But but that my my point is, I agree with you, Doug. Thanks for saying this because I think he has been. You know, if anybody carries the torch for that offense, I know Quinn Ewers is the focal point, and Jonathan Brooks has been really good this year. But Xavier Worthy is a little bit like that. I mean, as he goes, so goes the team sometimes. I I, I know we got a super chat that Michael uh, Mitchell W's, but I want to say this about A.D. Mitchell because we talked about should he fought through the ball. I thought he made one of the smarter football plays you will see on Saturday on that last drive. If you go back and watch when he caught that ball, he sat there, he turned up field, he got a few yards, and then he hit the deck. And that guy made an experienced winner's decision there. I could go fight for three or four extra yards with three guys converging on me, or I can get my butt to the ground because we have just made 15 yards, and now we live to play the next play. That was a very smart player from a guy who's been on two national championship teams. That's a play where a lot of guys – would have taken on three guys, converged on them, tried to get three or four extra yards. Sometimes that ball might pop out. That guy made a very smart football play that wasn't hasn't been talked about. And speaking of wide receivers, we've had a few questions today regarding Isaiah Nayor. Uh, so I'm going to read this one from Bobby Brown. He says, is Nayor done or redshirting? I could see a healthy Nayor being a red zone threat. I tell you what, I mean, I don't know if he's done completely, but – I don't know if he's in the tank or in the doghouse or what, but um, I, you know, we'll see. I don't know that he's a more of a, a red zone threat though than Ad Mitchell, right? Uh, because Ad Mitchell, I think, has better hands than Nayor, um, and maybe has a little bit more uh, body control, if that makes sense. Nayor's a big target. Uh, I don't know. I I would be. Anxious to see what happens the second half of the season with a couple people, Savion Red and Isaiah Nayor. I think both of those guys theoretically could give more to the team than they are currently, um, as currently positioned. So Red and the the what the Red Cat, maybe some other things that they want to do with him, and then clearly uh, Nayor just as another uh, downfield type threat to to complement both Mitchell and Worthy. I want to say something. That's one thing Sark said yesterday. He felt like he probably should have got Jontae Cook on the field more. And he also mentioned DeAndre Moore's close. So Nayor was not mentioned. I My opinion is if uh, Nayor is a grad transfer, he will play somewhere else next year. Um, but I think you're going to see more Jontae Cook. Uh, and I, I, based on what Sark said, I'm not going to be surprised if DeAndre Moore didn't get a few meaningful reps here as well. On Savion Red, I agree, and it leads to a question. Somebody asked it there, Blake, if you can bring that up, what would you do if you're Texas after this of running in the uh, red zone? We'll get to Savion Red on that, but let's do this uh, super chat. Yeah, Mitchell W says, should we use Savion Red similar to how the Saints use Taysom Hill? I say, look, I don't want the ball out of Quinn Ewer's hands unless it's a situation that it absolutely has to be. Fourth and one. Uh, Yes, yes. Um, the, you don't take the ball out of Quinn's hands. I mean, Quinn's play – and look, people can say what they want. Quinn completed 24-25 passes at one point in that game. Quinn played very well against Baylor in Kansas. He's coming on as a quarterback. He's just now got the 15, 16 starts as a college player. 
Uh, I don't take the ball out of his hands because that means you're taking the ball out of Worthy's hands, Mitchell's hands, and Sanders' hands. I'm not doing it. That's not the winning formula. Um, but I, I think the one thing with Red is people. somebody asked about goal line. Um, I'm, I make him my goal line back. And here's the reason I do that is Jonathan Brooks is a tremendous running back. He's a patient running back. He's not a big body power through you goal line running back. So unless that you're kind of asking him to do something that is not his strength, which happens. Um, Baxter, I think, is more of that guy if he's healthy, but we'll see where he's at. But I like Savion Red in those situations because low center of gravity, that guy runs pissed off. And he And now that he's playing from – in front of the chains instead of behind the chains, like he was in the fall camp. I, I look, Sark put is putting more on his plate. I would not be surprised to see him become the goal line back for this team because I think he's really good at it. I think he's a low center gravity. He runs mad. He's going to kneecap a linebacker and dive to the end zone and get the ball over the end zone. I think that's something he would thrive at. I, I I'm going to say this: the thing about Jonathan Brooks in red zone. Don't forget, Jonathan Brooks has had a shoulder, bad shoulder, mm. before. That changes some some physical nature inside that in that goal line stuff. Your yeah. thought process. So, just just be aware of that. And, and my thought of to finish the to follow that up. I'm not sure I'd want to hand him the ball three times from the three. He he. You ask a lot of him running between from the twenties to the twenties in the passing game. He's going to get his twenty touches. That needs to be Baxter or Red. Okay, guys, this next question here is from Mr. AZ, and he says, or Arizona, what is your level of concern for the offense if Majors and Hudson are out for a few more games? I got to tell you, not. I thought Connor Robertson played well, considering what he was thrown into. I mean, can you imagine your first college football as meaningful snaps ever is the Red River Showdown, and you're the center, and Texas is already – getting Quinn's already under a little duress when he comes into the game. I thought he performed pretty well considering the magnitude of the situation he was put in. When you say, okay, this guy's a good player. He has winner's DNA. He was at Westlake. He's a smart kid. The more he plays, the better he'll get. I, I don't have, I'm not worried if, if Connor Robertson's a center against a Houston or somebody like that. I, I'm more concerned about BYU. Yeah. Um, in, in Texas Tech, perhaps teams that have big nose tackles, um, with, with Connor Robertson, um, because he, he doesn't have the time in the weight room as the other guys, right? Um, at least not, not the, uh, well, Bobby, to your point, the reason he does it too is he had shoulder surgery, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Him and Cole missed some time in the weight room, and obviously, yeah. and I think Cole was probably ahead of him in the weight room coming into camp too. So, I mean, look, all of that being said, um, I think that that getting healthy on the offensive line would be very valuable, particularly Jake Majors right now. Uh, Cole Hudson would give them another uh, person to put out there and really uh, give them a chance to just try something a little different. But uh, I'm more concerned about Jake Majors uh, in against the BYUs and on uh, necessarily than I am in a week and a half. Well, that's going to lead me to this question from Todd Lacey. He says, who do you think will start at center versus Houston? One, we can't say for sure, because that's two weeks off with Jake Majors. 
Um, but let's just say Major sits that game. Um, you know, it, it's Cole Hudson if he's healthy, and I it wouldn't be, you know, Connor Robertson if he's not ready. The, pro- the, pro- the problem you get into at the Houston game, if Majors – and not that you should lose the game, but I'm just saying from a depth standpoint. The problem you get into at a game, you know, on the road in Houston in, in whatever how many days that is, 12 days from now, 13, is um, uh, the, the issue is if Jake Majors and Hudson are out, then what if Connor Robertson goes down? So that's kind of, you know, Hayden Connors, then the next man up, then Neto's playing full time. And, you know, so the one thing Texas didn't have last year is injuries on the offensive line. They, they, and we said, what are the odds of having two straight seasons without an injury on the offensive line? Zero. And people are like, you're jinxing it. No, it's zero. Just look at football history. Um, so they, they're in a, a little bit of a more precarious position on the offensive line, but this is where the recruiting adept. I think helps because five years ago, six years ago, the guy that replaced Jake Majors would have been a 265-pound, 275-pound guy. That's not as talented as Connor Robertson. All right. This next question is from Ralph Neely. He's asked it a couple of times, so I want to get to it for him. He says, why does it seem like OU plays with way more confidence than Texas? They treat us like the little brother. Easy. Uh, Come on, dude. Yeah, I, I don't know about I that. Have, I think they were pissed off that they lost 49 to nothing the year before. And they, they came out full of piss and vinegar. I don't think it has anything about playing with more confidence. And if if so, in the past 10 years, other than last year and this year, OU should have been more confident because they were a better team than Texas nine times out of 10. I don't think, I don't think confidence had anything to do with it this week. I, I can tell you this, sitting in the stadium, I, I didn't – think Oklahoma had way more confidence than Texas in that game. I thought Texas might have been overconfident in that game, to be honest with you. Fair. Very fair. Okay, this next question is from Roger T. He says, does the 12-1 Big 12 champion Texas get into the college football playoff over 12-1 OU? I think this is a great question. I think we need to talk about this. And before all the people that comment say it's one game at a time, I don't play. I don't have prepare. I don't play, so I don't care. That's that's on the players and the coaching staff. Well, we're, we like to talk about this stuff. Um, look, yes, and but here's the here's the whole key. This is where college football is fun again. It's it's great to be ranked in the top ten and be good uh, and have a chance. There's some huge games this weekend in college football. Oregon's at Washington. Somebody's taking their first L. USC's at Notre Dame. I'm telling you, USC's bad on defense. If they lose that game, I think USC loses three regular season games. I know Bobby's gonna say Caleb Williams. They, they no, no, Notre Dame, off. Notre Dame's bad on offense. It's like two futile teams going I, up against one another. I yeah, mean, I know. But my point is, if USC loses that game, they're gonna lose three regular season games. They got a tough schedule left. They got Washington, UCLA. Uh, I mean, they could have very well lost to Arizona last weekend. They're not uh, a top – USC is not a top ten. No. So teams – look, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan are all about to start playing each other. You know, so what the, – the interesting thing with the college football playoff, here's the thing, is the Pac-12s, unless Washington just runs the table through there, the Pac-12s going to beat each other somewhere along the way more than likely. Washington's good. They're not perfect on defense, but they're damn good on offense. Um so if Washington beats Oregon this weekend, then Oregon's, you know, it, it, these things are going to – people people are going to start to lose. The interesting conference, though, is the ACC. 
Florida State has a pretty good schedule the remainder of the way. And with Florida being eh, that helps. Um, Matt Brown could play spoiler there. That'll be interesting. Matt Brown's got a really good quarterback and a really good running back. I talked to an ACC assistant coach yesterday um, who called me on some recruiting stuff. He thinks you. He thinks North Carolina offensively is very good, very good, and he thinks Florida State is a m- more talented team than Carolina. But because of the quarterback running back combo, and they're going to get the receiver back now, he thinks they have enough juice to beat Florida State. Uh, people are saying Florida State still plays good teams. I mean, they play some good teams, but it's. I mean, they're not. They're not playing like the Pac- Washington schedule in the Pac-12 or Penn State schedule in the Big Ten. Interesting. Um, you could be looking at here, here's the reality. The, the question is, does Big 12 and one Big 12 te- champ Texas get into college football playoff over 12 and one OU? Yes. Um, if Texas comes back and plays OU in the Big 12 championship. Yes. If OU somehow doesn't make it with one. I, I, Texas would unquestionably get in over OU if they beat OU in the in the uh, Big 12 championship game, period. End of story. Now, you know whether who either of them get into the to the college football playoff with one loss is a different a different story. I, I think I saw th- to that point. I think Georgia's not going to lose, so they're going to be in. And I know Al- they may they'll play Alabama. Alabama doesn't have enough offense to beat Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart and Schumann. That ain't happening this year. Um, they're not going to beat Georgia. Um, so Georgia, I think, will be in the Pac-12. Somebody if, if Washington's 12 and one, they're probably going to get in on their schedule, right? Because they have some, I mean, go look at Washington's schedule. If they're 12 and one on that schedule, they probably get in. Then it comes down to Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. You kind of want Michigan to beat both those guys and run the table in those scenarios. So you're starting to get in these fun scenarios. Okay, we have a super chat from Menu Two Sports. Thank you, Menu. He says, "Let me just say this: the OU fans were very quiet at the hotel the night before and the morning of. They were worried. Just saying. This is Manuel Posada, by the way. How you doing, Manuel? Uh, look, they may have been quiet, but they have reason to go home happy. I mean, they 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 marched down the field on Texas um, with 75 seconds left to go. It was definitely. I think that uh, it was one of the better." games that we've seen in that rivalry it wasn't lopsided it it had back and forth uh, and this will be one of those games that they point to hey remember this one Um, and so I feel like Texas uh, and OU played a good game on Saturday Texas came out on the wrong side of it I appreciate the the super chat Manuel by the way Uh, much appreciated Uh, hey somebody somebody said they think George will have a loss this year hey look man it is football I'll say that it's football but Go look at Georgia's schedule. I mean, dude, Kentucky ran up. And Georgia, it's hard to be focused every week. You have a first-year starting quarterback who I think is growing up. Um, But here's the thing with them, just to know. Florida ran up and down. uh, Kentucky ran up and down the field on Florida. Kentucky may have got off the bus in Athens, but that's the most positive thing that happened for them last Saturday. They had 100 and 62 yards in a Power 5 football game. When Georgia wants to turn it on, baby, their talent's just scary. That's just where their program's at, period. And Muschamp and Kirby and Glenn Schumann, you aren't going to find better than that defensively. 
Uh, we have a uh, super sticker from Sharpshooter. <laughs> Want to thank him for that. We appreciate it. And then, Bobby, we've had some questions today uh, talking about NIL and things like that after Jerry mentioned it. So I want to let you address this. Sandman23 says, how is Texas NIL program doing? Yeah, the primary Texas uh, 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 NIL program is called Texas One Fund. You can find them on TexasOneFund.org. That's TexasOneFund.org. Doing relatively well right now. They are uh, encouraging subscriptions uh, to uh, that that are monthly for uh, people like that that most likely watch a lot of these shows. Uh, the idea is to get a, a, enough subscribers uh, to their monthly subscription that then they can start uh, doing a monthly payment to each and every athlete uh, at a certain uh, in a certain sport uh, on a pro rata basis. It's going well. Do do they wish they had more? Absolutely. Do they wish they had more high ranking? Uh, 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 members uh, of our high net worth individuals uh, donating. Absolutely. But what's going well right now, they are starting to get some corporate sponsorships. Uh, they are out in the community. They're doing things like the tailgate uh, that some people have been going to that uh, Inside Texas has been cross promoting uh, and uh, getting subscriptions from that as well, where people can not only eat, but also uh, get uh, some free beer uh, from folks. So go to tailgates support TexasOneFund.org. It all helps one another. Texas is highly competitive in the NIL space. Texas wants to be more than highly competitive. They want to be the best. And so that's going to take everybody contributing. Uh, Go to TexasOneFund.org if you're interested. Please. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning you can even designate where you want your money to go to what program, whatever it may be. So go check that out. All right, guys, we've got time for about two more questions here. Joel McWaters preaches sometimes says, does the portal create or hinder parity amongst the traditional top 25 teams? I'd say, I'd say it helps the top 10 to 12. Yes. And it creates parity amongst everyone else. Yeah. If you're a blue blood, it's a great place to be. I, I, and I think team number 65 is better going to be better now because of it too. Yeah. So I want to, I want to be clear. I think it helps the top 12 inordinately and it helps 75 as much as it helps 25 if that makes sense because um 75 now can go down and find a guy at sam houston state that's been a three-year starter and all of a sudden they have a center instead of playing a true freshman center just giving you an example all right then our last question of the day comes from damon grant he says in y'all's opinion what will be the biggest hurdle or trap game the rest of the season he believes it's going to be on the road at TCU. I tend to agree with that. It's TCU or Iowa State. Um, I know people are saying Iowa State, but it's still a road game. We just talked about how Auburn almost beats Georgia. Georgia almost loses at Missouri. I mean, it, it's the road in college football at Power 5 level. TCU, because it, it, they're not having a good season, it will be their, their Super Bowl, um, you know, TCU doesn't have the personnel that Oklahoma has. They don't have the quarterback experience in the system, but damn sure better be no, they're going to try to run a lot of the same stuff. <laughs> I mean, and see if Texas can stop it this time. Um, the, a lot of the same concepts are going to be run in Fort Worth. Uh, but, you know, TCU defensively, they have, you want to talk about team with tackling issues now. Ooh, they got some tackling issues right now. And if they don't start tackling better, 
I mean, Texas will have 550 yards up there on them. Nice. The only weird trap game for me is Houston. <laughs> I'm, I'm not laughing at you. It just sounds funny to say. I, I just think that's the trap game because if they get back on their horse, yeah, I think Texas is going to roll. Yeah. So they better get back up on the horse. Well, and the thing is, the thing about that is um, I, two things. Le, uh, Houston is not any good. Right. Well, I right. want to say that. If the but trap game is Texas trapping itself. They're going to be QB run gaming Texas, see if they're prepared for it. Because that's what's coming. If a team has a Walker Howard, um, Smith at U of H, I mean, if you have quarterback, if you can create some quarterback run gaming against Texas, that's what, that's what you're going to try to do. Um, you know, I'm interested to see Houston against West Virginia. Two reasons they play Thursday night. Two reasons: one, how much life's left in Houston. One, two, how beat up are they going to be coming out of that game against a physical West Virginia team? Hey, I, I want to say this: I think I think Texas Tech is the best team left on Texas's schedule, and they're three and three right now. I agree. I agree. All right, guys. Bobby, before we move on or before we close for the day, I'm going to let you tell everybody what you have coming on later today right here on On Texas Football. Well, actually, it's it's not even going to be me. It's going to be Jerry. Uh, he's got – he and Justin get together for their weekly recruiting breakdown. they got a lot of news to go over, uh, some uh, recruiting news and notes of coaches going various places this week. Uh, then also we come back with the live stream. Uh, Jerry and Rod get together tonight around uh, 7 p.m., uh, so we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Uh, but uh, that'll happen. Uh, and then uh, in general, make sure you visit Inside Texas in the interim. Uh, Inside Texas right now has a special. Uh, if you go on to Inside Texas and type in the code OTFIT23, you get two months for just $1. It's a special promo. Uh, you have to select the monthly offer. Uh, literally dozens of uh, articles almost on a daily basis. Uh, so Jerry and Blake, uh, been fun visiting with you guys on coffee and football. Yeah. I appreciate everybody joining us as well. Yeah. Thanks for all the questions, guys. I mean, it's an off week. It's a different week. Right. And, uh, so, so Bobby Brown just, uh, he just uh, predicted Texas will score 50 against you. Hey, UT boy. Good to see okay. you. Back, man. Good to see you back. UT boy. <laughs> oh man. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of coffee and football. We want to thank all of you for tuning in. Thank you for the super chats. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Don't forget to ring the bell so you're notified anytime a video is posted right here. And then uh, we'll see you tomorrow morning. So for Jerry and Bobby, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you then. Welcome.